Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water and yields its fruits in the seasons, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I once asked someone how I could pray for them, and their response took me by surprise, for they immediately responded, please pray that my family is happy. And honestly, my first thought wasn't a good one. <laughs> to be happy, that's, that, that is what your primary thing that you want, is to be happy. But then I thought about it, and I realized, isn't happiness what everybody wants? Isn't happiness what we want for ourselves? That, that's why there's so many self-help books written. How can we become happy? How can we become the best versions of ourselves? And everyone offers a different source of that happiness because that is what we desire. Happiness is what we want for our children. Happiness is what our world longs for. And happiness is what the scriptures offer. Is it so hard to believe that here in Psalm 1, the introductory psalm to the entire Psalter, this is what the psalmist addresses, happiness. For this is what the psalmist says, blessed is the man. This could, could be and probably should be, happy is the man. There are two words used in the Hebrew Bible that can be translated as blessed. One we can see in Exodus 18, verse 10. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out from the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh. This is someone who has been blessed by God. The other word, which is the word translated here, describes one whom others regard as blessed whom others regard as happy and privileged. And Sinclair Ferguson rightly points out, this particular, the particular interest of this psalmist in this psalm is that an individual who can be happy. Happy is the man. The people of God, how are you happy? Here's the formula. Here's the way. Blessed, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. He gives three negatives. And in today's society and pop um, psychology, the psalmist would be loathed with this language because we aren't supposed to talk in negative terms. We're only supposed to talk in positives. As a child, I went to a summer camp, and they were very purposefully all about get-tos. These are the things you get to do. They didn't want to talk about don't get-tos. 
They didn't want to talk about rules in negative ways. They didn't want to talk about what was forbidden, what was prohibited. But this is very different from what we see in the scriptures for what comes to our mind of stating something in the negative. I hope it's the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other God before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is on heaven above or the earth beneath. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. In the same way, this psalmist states what God's people are supposed to do if they want to be happy. The psalmist is revealing God has standards. There are some things you cannot do to enter into God's presence. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. This past Wednesday, my oldest son was very privileged on doing something that the son of a minister does throughout the summer, and he comes to work with me. And on Wednesday, we sat and we read out loud together Psalm 1, and he quickly pointed out these verbs being used here. The verbs that describe The wicked. For if a blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of scoffers, nor sits in the the seat of scoffers, then that is what a wicked man does. And look at this motion. It goes from moving to being stagnant, to walk, to stand, and then to sit. The biblical imagery here is when you sit with somebody, that is, those are who you share values with. And the psalmist draws a stark contrast in verse 2. But, happy is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and on his law meditates day and night. What do happy people do? They delight in the law of God. And don't let this word law scare you. When the scriptures speak of the law of God, it is almost always referring to the Torah or the Pentateuch, God's covenant documents of how he has redeemed his people and the life that he has called them to. It is a document. It is the instruction that God has given by grace to lead his people into a life of flourishing and happiness. In this passage, these verbs immediately reminded me of what God commanded his people to do in Deuteronomy 6 through 7. These are the words that I command you today that shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them while you sit in your house and while you walk on the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Happiness is found in those who delight in the law of God, who meditate on it day and night. This meditation, this isn't some mystical mindfulness. It's described as an active state of pondering, of considering, even memorizing The word of God. Meditating on the word of God is exactly what God told Joshua to do in Joshua 1.8. 
The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you may then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. By meditating on the law of God day and night. This is a continual movement through life. We wake up and we go to sleep. This should be our action as God's people. We meditate on God's law over and over and over. This psalm is a wisdom psalm. It is instructing God's people the way to live as a flourishing human being in the world that God created. It is instructing us in the skill of the art of godly living. Or as my seminary professor puts it, the orientation which allows one to live in harmonious accord with God's ordering of the world. This psalm is giving us an instruction. There are only three people in the narrative of Scripture. There's God, and then there are His people, the faithful, the blessed man, and there's everyone else, the unfaithful, who is described here as the wicked. But notice what the psalmist is doing. Notice, why does the blessed man delight in the law of God? Because it's in the law of God that you are revealed to the lawgiver himself. God's law reveals who he is in his perfection, in his power, in his goodness, in holiness, in justice. And just as our catechism says, the larger catechism, 95, the law is used to all men to inform them of the holy nature and will of God and their duty binding them to walk accordingly. The psalmist is pushing those who sing this song to desire to be a happy man, to be this type of people, people who strive to look like God. And the people of the Old Testament did this by sheer grace. Because they were only able to enter into the presence of God and worship Him because He provided a way of sacrifice. He had provided a way of atonement. And through the priest who offered up these prayers on this behalf, the psalm is not about works based righteousness of just do better and try harder. The psalmist is calling God's people to recognize what they already have. You are blessed if you're in the presence of God. You are righteous when you're in the presence of God because he is righteousness. You have been enabled to delight in the law of God because he has called you to himself. You're in the presence of the God who made a covenant with you and is faithful to you. 
And it's through this law. It's through the statutes. It's through the character of God that we find ourselves being happy. Because God is the only supplier of the blessed life. Because that is who he is. This psalmist is giving us biblical wisdom. This is the way, for the Mandalorian fans out there, this is the way to righteousness. This is the way we are to come and sing in the presence of God. This is the way that we are to pray. This is the way that we're conformed, transformed, molded into God's covenant people. This is the way that we are to orient our lives. This is the type of person we should all desire to be. This is the type of person we should all encourage each other to be. To be the blessed man of God who comes into his presence and knows him as their Savior. And then the psalmist gives us a simile. What is the blessed man like? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. But notice, trees aren't planted as fully grown. They aren't set there as a finished tree. They grow over time. They grow because the source of life is given to it, and it receives all it needs. The tree is the blessed man. The water is the word of the Lord. How does the blessed man grow like a tree? How does it become what it's supposed to be? By consuming and living on the word of God and nothing else. This is what a good tree is supposed to do. And then it will yield fruit. Do you remember what, in the book of Matthew what happens when Jesus walks by the fig tree that doesn't have any figs? He said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Jesus cursed the fig tree that did not bear fruit because it wasn't functioning as it was supposed to function. A blessed man, the people of God are to bear fruit because the word of life is nurturing it and giving it everything it needs. But also notice, trees don't bear fruits for their own benefit. Trees bear fruit for the benefit of another. The blessed man is watered by the word of God and grows, and when it grows, it begins to provide for the benefits of others. This is what happiness leads to. Blessing others. The leaves on the tree also do not wither. 
when Joel and I were going over this, I asked them, doesn't that seem strange? Isn't that a weird analogy? A tree that leaves do not wither. But the imagery isn't that the tree never changes. This imagery is that the tree endures year to year and never dies. Because the tree has everything that it needs from the water source. And then the psalmist contrasts this happy man with the wicked man yet again. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And Joel and I, we, we're not farmers, and so we didn't know what that meant. And so we went to YouTube, the, the ultimate source of information, and we watched someone separate the chaff from the wheat. And they poured this wheat into a bag and they rubbed it and then they waved it up and all the chaff was blown away because the chaff was useless. It served no purpose. And it was blown away like that. That is the way of the wicked. The psalmist continues, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. They will not be able to bear God's righteousness when they stand before him. They will not stand because they do not know his grace. Because the wicked walk in their own ways. Because the wicked are sinners. The wicked are scoffers. The wicked do not like God's law. They do not want to think about God's law. They are trees planted in the desert, and they do not yield fruit for the benefit of others. The wicked leaves die because they have no life in themselves. They are chaff. They are useless. And they have no part of what God is doing in the midst of his people by his grace. Their way will perish. The psalmist is drawing a very clear metaphorical line in the sand. Don't be this guy. There are two paths. One leads to righteousness one leads to ultimate perishing and death. Brothers and sisters, don't be that guy. Brothers and sisters, let us encourage one another in the way of the blessed life. Brothers and sisters, let us encourage each other to enter God's presence and to confess when we walk in the way of the wicked and when we stand in the way of sinners and when we seat, sit at the seat of scoffers. May we encourage and remind each other to meditate on God's law so that we might bear fruit and be a blessing to the community in which we live. May we sing and pray and read these psalms faithfully as we look to God by his grace for salvation. But unlike the Old Testament believer, we have even more hope. Because as the Old Testament believer, 
drew upon the mercy and grace of God. Now we have someone better. Someone better than the high priests and the blood of the Lamb. We have Jesus, the blessed man. Jesus never walked in the counsel of the wicked. Jesus never stood in the way of sinners. Jesus never sat at the seat of scoffers. Jesus delighted in the law of God. Jesus was the poor in spirit. Jesus was the one who mourned. Jesus was meek. Jesus is the one who hungered and thirsted for righteousness. Jesus was merciful. Jesus was pure in heart. Jesus was a peacemaker. Because that is who Jesus is. He is the Word. The Word become flesh. This is why Jesus gives us the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. This is his law. It reveals the lawgiver. We sing this faithfully so that we too might look like Jesus. Because it's only in him that we can find happiness. That we can find the blessed life. When we look to Christ by faith, the Spirit of God will give us not the blessed life. He will give us Jesus. Because there's one thing Scripture is clear about. If you seek happiness in itself, you will never find it. You can only find it in Jesus. And we can become true partakers of this happiness only when we look to Jesus. Because it's through Jesus that we can enter before the throne room of God with confidence and sing praises to him, knowing what he has done for us. As Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you are looking for anything in this world outside of Jesus, you will not find it. Brothers and sisters, we can sing this song because of Jesus. This is why we pray. This is why we confess our sins. This is why we eat and drink of God's covenant blessing. Because of Jesus, the blessed man of God. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Do you know how he knows that way? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Brothers and sisters, this is what we have in Jesus. It is already yours by faith. Let us encourage one another to this. May we remind each other when we're down. May we tell each other, when it's hard to hear, 
to look to Jesus. We have everything we need in this life. And may we yield the fruit of God that we might be a blessing. Do you want to be happy? Look to Jesus. Do you want to be blessed? Look to Jesus. Do you want to be a good participant in our community of believers? Look to Jesus and point others to Jesus. He is our only hope. Amen. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may we push and remind each other of the presence that we have with Jesus. May we encourage each other, standing next to each other, reminding each other the great hope that we have in him. We ask this in his name. Amen. If you'll please stand and turn in your Trinity hymnals to page 846 as we confess the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed. Church, what do you believe? You may be seated. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Our Lord Jesus instituted this supper as a covenant meal for his people to give them his grace, which he secured 
finally at the cross and through his resurrection. It is not a re-sacrificing of Christ, but a remembrance of his once-for-all sacrifice for the propitiation of our sins. It is also not a mere memorial. It is a means of grace by which God feeds us with the crucified, resurrected, and exalted Christ. We believe that the bread remains bread and the wine remains wine, yet these sacred elements become so united in the thing they signify that we have confidence that in them we receive everything that we need for salvation, Jesus himself. This is not a Presbyterian table. This is the Lord's table. If you have confessed your sins and acknowledged your need for Jesus, this table is for you. If you have not confessed your sins, if you do not see your need for Jesus, this meal has no benefit for you. Just as you can hear a word of a sermon, if you don't follow it by faith, without faith, this meal is just bread and wine. And yet Paul tells us not to partake in an unworthy manner. So I ask, if you have not faith in Christ, do not partake of this meal, for you will bring judgment upon yourself. But I encourage all of you who rest and looked to Jesus for salvation to come, taste, see, smell, touch God's love for you in Christ. The benefit of this meal does not depend upon how you feel. It depends upon whether Jesus died in the cross and resurrected from the grave. And we have a firm hope and belief that he will come again. And so we take actively and partake of the free grace offered to us in the gospel. Let us pray together. Holy Father, take these things that are common and make them uncommon. Set apart the ordinary for the extraordinary. Prepare us for the sacred event. May it indeed be an effective means of your grace for our salvation. We ask this through the name of our mediator and new covenant, Jesus Christ, to your only Son, our Lord. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The invitation is to come.
Is there anyone who has not been served who would like to be served? Brothers. Brothers.